I'm a Métis man. For those that don't know, the Métis, that means that uh, my father was a proud Aboriginal man, and my mother was a white chick that hated her parents. That's perfect. I'm glad you guys laughed. I like to use that joke as a measurement. That's how we test where the racism line is here in Winnipeg. So that was perfect. You know, in Kenora, you, it's back there. You can't get away with it. Red Deer, no fucking line. You can go wherever you want. So that's I appreciate that. Comedian Nelson Maya shoots on performance anxiety. It's the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore. The Manitoba Money Shot Podcast will be coming at you live in February 2020, touring all across Manitoba, Canada. Tickets, only $10 at the door. You can't get a better deal than that. All shows start at 8 p.m. Check it out. February 1st, Portage Prairie at the Queen's Toilet. February 2nd, Boys of Vane, Stiffy's Funeral Chapel and Arcade. February 3rd, Burden at Sloppy Jane's. February 4th, Minnedosa at the Chicken Choker. February 5th, in Russell, Clean Sheets, Motor Inn. February 6th, in Roblin, Jesus Ranch. February 7th, Pine River at the Killing Grill. February 8th, Overflowing River at the Doug Henning Museum of Magic and Mustaches. February 9th, Swan Lake, Robin's Donuts and Dishporium. February 10th, Sheridan at Fork U's. February 11th, in Brochette, the Pierogi Gogo. February 12th, Split Lake at We Ezekiel's. February 13th, Gillum at the Barnyard Buffet. February 14th, York Landing at Ace Burpee's Comedy Porch Open Mic. February 15th, God's Lake at the Salisbury Pub. February 16th, Norway House at Cramit Restaurant. February 17th, in Gibsonville, Big Bob's Ass Gasser Grass Bar. February 18th, Moosehorn, Corny Fields. February 19th, in Riverton, BYO Bucket. February 20th, Lac de Bonnie at Beastings. February 21st, St. Anne's at the Hudson's Bay Drunk Tank. February 22nd, Cook's Creek, Potatoes, Potatoes, Potatoes. February 23rd, Broken Head at Cheers, not affiliated with NBC. February 24th, Buffalo Point, McPoodle's Pet Palace. February 25th, Swan Lake, Sammy's Little Emergency Hospital. February 26th, Dakota Plains, The Gravy Baby. February 27th, Morris, Bottoms Up. February 28th, The Recycle Depot and Diner. And February 29th, in Winnipeg, The Crooked Shelf. Don't you dare miss it! Alright, cut. Opening bit over. Enough. Thank you. How you doing? The Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore. Hi. How are you? Um, doing, I'm doing great, uh, personally. Thank you for asking. Um, got a great show today, Nelson Mayer. Nelson Mayer has been uh, running comedy nights in the city. He's been doing comedy across Canada and in the States and organizing shows. And he is, uh, he, we've talked about him on the show. His name has popped up a few times with the comedians. So, uh, very fortunate and happy that he agreed to come over to Crap Central, check it out and have a little conversation. So thank you, Nelson, and uh, that's coming up right away. And also, if you want to catch Nelson, he's doing a comedy fundraiser for the Isaiah Wildlife Sanctuary. Yeah, the Isaiah Wildlife Sanctuary, and that's at Cricket's Comedy Club, 331B Smith Street, Winnipeg, Manitoba, R3B2G9. I don't know why. I'm, I'm just reading the stats if you want to mail them. <laughs> Slow mail. Go ahead. Wednesday, 19th, February, 2020, 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. It's going to be a hilarious show. Uh, it's to raise money for the uh, foundation or sanctuary. And Big Daddy Taz is going to be headlining. Uh, Nelson's on it. Nelson Mayer and Chris Basso is hosting the whole thing. He organized it. 15 smackers for entry. And all that money goes to a good cause. And yeah, check it out. Check out Nelson's Facebook. It's Nelson Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. Nelson, you can probably spell. And check out his YouTube channel because uh, there's a lot of cool content on there, a lot of good content. He has a podcast with his friend Bill Burfoot called Who's Your Daddies? And also he has the Mark, no, sorry, the Nelson, Mark, and Kyle show which uh, had a few episodes there, and it's it's it's, it's pretty funny. Um, basically, Nelson kind of torments and gets his buddy Mark to to uh, to do <laughs> whatever he wants him to do, and talks him into these uh, predicaments like 
a bikini car wash and it, I'm, it killed me, dying laughing. Check out his YouTube, please. Uh, go to my uh, SoundCloud and subscribe. You can check us out on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, and some other platforms, apparently, that I didn't approve of. But whatever. Get it out. Listen to the show. Tell your friends. Join the Patreon account, and we're going to have a good time here. We're having fun. Um, what else is there to say? I don't know nothing. I love you all. You have a great day. Bye! We are rolling. Nelson Mayer. Hello. Comedian. North American comedian, the traveling road comic, road dog. It's is that that's that accurate? Fair? Yeah, that's accurate. I sleep in the car on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a real glamorous life, right? You know, you get to the gig, then you go and sleep in the car in the parking lot at the gig. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say that's uh, that's road dog. Man, thank you so much for coming down and, and doing the podcast. Uh, of course, I'm a huge fan of yours. Uh, you've been doing comedy in this city for a good decade, right? Almost, yeah, yeah, almost. almost. And putting on shows and getting out there and hitting the road and going places and. So uh, yeah, we're basically just gonna we're gonna talk about you, uh, where you were born, what you, what you're all about, what you're in, what you were inspired by growing up, and okay. what you did, and everything I can cram into an hour. So all right, let's start at the beginning. You were born in? I was born here in Winnipeg. Hot damn! Born in Winnipeg, July 1976. And what, what part of the city? Uh, I was born downtown in the uh, women's hospital. Oh, okay. Right you're born specifically in the women's yeah, hospital. Yeah, I was born there. <laughs> That's, That's where good. I was. Uh, and then we. Moved to Dauphin, Manitoba. So I spent a few years uh, up until I was about seven, eight years old. Your family drove in from Dauphin? No, no. We lived in Winnipeg. You lived in Winnipeg. I was born and they said, this is no place to raise a child. And we got out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and then they said, Dauphin is racist and we're going to leave. We're going to go back to Winnipeg. Right. Yeah. And what, what part of Winnipeg were you in? Um, um, we lived downtown and then we moved to Dauphin, came back and oh, lived right. in Fort Gary. And I was raised in the south end of the city. Well, what did, what do you what do you remember about Dauphin? I remember the Back giant then. statue of the beaver that they have in town. You pull into town, there's this big beaver statue, and yeah. as kids, we used to think that we needed to climb on top of that thing. <laughs> and I fell off. I never broke anything, but I fell off a couple times, and so I I got this animosity towards the beaver because of that. I think. Right, right. Walking to school, I remember uh, setting fire to a garbage behind KFC, and the firemen showed up at my house and. It was kind of hard to say it wasn't us. My brother and I just reeked of smoke because we were <laughs> playing with <laughs> matches. And did you know matches and greased don't go together very well? <laughs> no, I learned I that actually. at a young age in Dauphin, Manitoba, right. when I almost burnt down half the city. So you had a, you had a brother growing up? I do. I have a brother and a sister. Older brother, brother sister, younger okay. sister, middle child, start for attention. Hence why I'm a comedian. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everyone look at me. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and mom and dad? Remind you I'm here. Mom and dad, uh, my dad passed away a couple years ago. I'm sorry. Uh, he was, uh, uh, he worked for the Friendship Center. So he worked very active in Aboriginal politics, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. he also wrestled. That was his hobby and his passion. Right. And uh, my mother went to school. She works at Investors Group. So uh, was he wrestling in, in Dauphin? Uh, yeah, he was, he was a wrestler uh, just in Winnipeg. I don't know a lot about it. I was very young. And then we moved back to Winnipeg, and that's when he really started getting into it. Okay, what what's the what league? Uh, he wrestled for a local promoter, Tony Candelo. Now that I remember watching that. Yeah, he up. had he had a he had a show. My father wasn't on the show, but Tony had a show. My father was oh. the Renegade. The Renegade. The Renegade. And was he a heel or a baby he face? He was a baby face. Yeah, he was <laughs> nice. a baby face in an Aboriginal city. The Aboriginal wrestling hero. That's what he was. Awesome. Yeah, and but he toured a lot of northern communities, and we did shows out near Dauphin, Winnipeg, Osis, that kind of thing. And you got to see him I got live. To, perform I got to watch this all the time. All, oh, really? Yeah. 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 So you got to meet a lot of the other wrestlers. Got, I met them all. And yeah. All yeah. Brought you into the fold, and you never wanted a career in wrestling yourself? Uh, you know what? I'm not made for wrestling. I'm not big enough to do that kind of thing. I would love yeah. to have been like a heel manager, you know, Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, Classy <laughs> Freddie Blassie, that kind of thing. Yeah. I would have been perfect for that, and we were thinking about it. My father ran a, a promotion in Calgary up until he passed away, and so there were a couple times where I was going to come out, and he'd be introduced as the son of the promoter, and then I'd be mouthy and kind of do the Andy Kaufman, man from Hollywood thing, right? Like, I'm yeah. better than you guys. You guys are heel. Billy's wrestling sucks and right. that kind of thing. Yeah. And then the baby face would come out and smash me or something like that. I was 
Very much looking forward to doing that. That's the kind of thing where I would have excelled at, I think. Mm-hmm. Just be an asshole to the crowd and get beat up in front of them. Uh, did your dad suffer any serious injuries? Uh, uh, in he got banged up pretty good. Nothing too bad. He did get knocked out of a... He was uh, on the top rope taking the snake man's mask off. Yeah. And somebody came and drop kicked him from behind in a battle royal. And he fell out. Now, this was a show on a res, so the floor, for whatever reason, had like gravel and rocks on the floor. It wasn't just concrete, concrete so he right. nailed onto this... Gravel cut himself up pretty good, and he had a few concussions sometimes. Brutal. Somebody hit him with a chair once, and it was supposed to be rigged so that it would not hurt as bad, but they grabbed the wrong chair or something and nailed, nailed oh, him. Oh, God, and, no. Yeah. I always thought another uh, element of danger was just the fans throwing shit at you. Oh, as yeah, especially at down. those shows, right? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's maybe one security guard who's too involved in the show to really police the crowd <laughs> yeah. and see what's going on. Well, some of the crowd is scarier than the wrestlers in the ring, especially <laughs> some of those old ladies that are right into it, yeah, throwing right. canes and pop cans. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it happens. So you're in Dauphin six years. You come to Winnipeg. Yes. And you move to... Moved to Fort Gary. Fort Gary. Yeah. Um, what about, whereabouts? We, uh, Rampart Bay is where I lived. It's right behind, you know, the Safeway on uh, Pemina Highway and, Mc, what's that street? McGilvery. Right yeah. tucked in They're behind right there. there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there's a whole bunch of rows of houses Those there. are ones, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rampart Bay. Okay. Spent a lot of time yeah. there. So did that for a year, and then we moved to St. Vitell. Okay. No, Same. sorry, we moved to St. Norbert. I forgot my own history, Ron. That's terrible. Moved to the knob. Moved to the knob, yeah, <laughs> in the hood, the ghetto. So in St. Norbert, you went to... I went to Park LaSalle School. I broke into the school when I was nine years old. Nine? Nine years old. It wasn't a planned thing. Heist. A friend and I were walking. Oh, I'm going to share something that is embarrassing. You know, I don't have a lot of regrets in life. People make mistakes... You move on, you learn from them, right? Yeah. But there are a couple of things I've done where I look back and think, holy shit, even though you're an idiot kid, I'm still judging myself on this one. Right. So we broke into school. We were walking around. There was a, a big marble and a rock or whatever on the ground. So it started with my buddy smashed the window. Oh, God. And then I thought, okay, all right, you know, here we are. This is what we're doing. That's fine. And then and then he reached in and opened the door. Yeah. So then we went in the school. Did you, you know there's a such thing as silent alarms? We didn't know that. Back then, you know? uh, I found out later, but yeah, no, yeah. I didn't we know. found out that day. So we went in the school and we were walking around just thinking, oh, it's so cool. We're here in the school. We're not supposed to be. All the lights are off. And we went into the teacher's desk and found calligraphy pen money. Everybody had to bring in a dollar for calligraphy pens. It was like $30, which to us was an absolute fortune. Yeah. We took the calligraphy pen money. That I don't regret. That's a typical kid kind of move. The entire school. Oh, my God. I'm embarrassed to admit it. The entire, I'm going to burn in hell. The entire school sponsored a third world kid. And I can't remember. I think it was Gabriel. We had Gabriel money. So every morning people would, the teachers would say, if anybody has Gabriel money, come put it up in the jar. And people would put 50 cents in the jar and it would go towards this child who needed it a (laughs) lot more than I needed it. Uh, Gabriel. And we took the calligraphy pen money and then we grabbed the Gabriel money and we took the Gabriel money Substantially more, I'm assuming. Uh, I don't remember. We didn't get to count it. We got busted, which is our karma. You didn't make it out the door? We made it out the door. Yeah. And then we were walk- We counted the calligraphy pen money, and we walked around the corner, and I guess the janitor had gotten a call from the police that an alarm had gone off or, you know, AAA alarms or whoever, and he just lived across the street, so he walked over. Oh, shit. So him and his wife caught us as we walked around. In the corner grabbed me he he ran for it he was smarter than i was oh yeah i was just frozen in fear oh no yeah and yeah. then i guess he was saw he was you know people saw the dude so obviously he wasn't getting away with that oh yeah no he, he wasn't getting especially and, and i far. had no loyalty or honor as a nine-year-old boy <laughs> who was scared and being interviewed by police i was ready to tell them oh, got you're, the police you've seen the goonies i guess yeah 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 you know the scene when they're interrogating chunk and he's telling them everything yeah, that's, that's ever right. happened that was me that day <laughs> what was his name i don't know exa- i don't know his last name but I know where he lives and I'll take you there right now. We can go. I'll walk you over. Just cut down here. Turn left. Oh, yeah, that was me. Oh, fuck. That's hilarious, man. Um, I was a rat and I stole Gabriel money. I stole money from a third world kid. So if there's a special hell out there for that, I've, I've earned it. <laughs> for I'm sure. trying to make amends. You know, right. I've done good things since, but holy shit. But it'll always be there in your mind. It'll yeah, it's always, always in my mind. I've, that... I've stolen money from a third world child. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, we've come a long way, Nelson. I think mean? so. I'd like to think so. Um... And uh, any other hangouts you remember? Do you ever go to the monastery? Yeah, we used to go down there. Yeah, just mm-hmm. walk around. Uh, not really, really not do anything. Do, <laughs> we didn't get in a lot of trouble. I mean, there was that time with the school. And then, uh, you know, one night we went out and uh, vandalized some crap. Being dumb kids, smashing windows and that kind of shit. Yeah, before the internet, there was nothing to do. It was <laughs> all boring. Do. What you go smash do? things, right? Yeah, yeah. smash things. 
<laughs> exactly. So that was St. Norbert for me. Cool. And then you went to St. Vital. And, and we came to St. Vital. Uh, you know, the same idea? You were hanging out with the bad crowd, bad kids? Uh, you know... Not not as bad, yeah. but we did live in Manitoba housing, and so there is always an element there. There are some great kids in there and great families in there, but there mm-hmm. were some that were, you know, troublemakers, and mm-hmm. yeah. I, I had friends with both of them. So All I right. think I started to pull away from it. I I, had, I have an uncle who I became very close with, and I would go and hang out at his place on the weekend. He was renovating his house, so I would go and help do that, and it was a lot more fun than wandering around trying to smash it. Right. So every weekend I would end up going to his place at about 14, 15 years old. And I think that really helped me pull away from my buddies were out going out and robbing people, getting arrested, all this kind of shit. Yeah. And I'm hanging out with my uncle who doesn't drink, doesn't do any drugs of any kind. And that he became my role model. And I think having that one positive role model kind of pulled me away from all the shit that my friends were getting into. Was your dad just too busy with uh, My dad moved to doing? Vancouver when I was 12 years old. So oh, shit. They, um, him and my mother split up officially when I was 10. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 12, he moved to BC. Right. And what was your mom doing when you were uh, in... Uh... Working and going to school and trying to raise the kids without any help. Uh, and what kind of a student were you in school? Like, were you good, good, good grades? Did you do the extracurricular activities? I did no extracurricular activities. I wasn't interested. <laughs> I uh, had good grades. I had very good grades in classes that I liked. And then if I didn't like them, I didn't participate. And every report card I have from a very young age, the comments are all very similar. The teachers would say things like, Nelson is a very bright student, and we wish he would contribute more in class discussions. Right, right. So he's very right. quiet, she's very shy. Sitting at the back of the, the room. Back of the room. Yeah. Yeah. My mind somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you like going to school or was it something you just found it like a chore? I think it was just a chore. It's just yeah. a thing to do. Yeah. High school was a little different. And that's when my uncle had moved to Brandon. So I had a new group of friends. All my friends were dropping out of school or being arrested and going away. Yeah. So I started hanging out with different people in school. I ended up uh, kind of adopting people that I still associate with to this day that were bullied a lot and picked on a lot. And I would hang out with them and kind of protect them and stop nice. that from happening. And then I became their bully. So <laughs> <laughs> You brought them so, in so you can have exclusive yeah. bullying rights on Exactly. So I had a very different <laughs> core group of friends in high school. We'd uh, play hockey a lot. You know, mm-hmm. go downtown to Magic Land, right? Remember oh, Magic yeah, Land? Pay like five bucks sure. and play yeah, yeah. video games for an hour. Going right? downtown was the one thing you can always do every weekend that was cheap and, you know, like a yeah. bus ride and you can just hang out for a few hours, go to an arcade, yeah. maybe a video game store, comic book world. And, and we'd get the afternoon off from school because uh, we were pretty sketchy. We, we would uh, go to see the guidance counselor and tell him because he had these forms that he would give you to show that you missed slot B or whatever to hand into the office so you're excused from missing that class. So you wouldn't get a phone call home saying Nelson skipped his class today. So we would go see the guidance counselor and we would make up stories about how concerned we were with our friend Blake who we made up all this shit. Blake is having unprotected sex (laughs) and, you know, he got some woman pregnant. So Blake was real. Blake was real. Blake was a real person. All the shit we said about him was like Blake's doing drugs and he's coming to school intoxicated and we're really concerned about him. So the guidance counselor would tell us, you know, he'd validate our feelings and tell us maybe we could talk to Blake or whatever, right? And then we would get this form from him and he wouldn't fill it out. So we would just, he would just sign it. So we would check B slot, C slot, D slot. So we'd have the entire morning or afternoon off and then we'd go to Magic Land. Right. Now, this went on for a while, and one day, Blake says to us, I think Mr. Sadler hates me. He's always giving me weird fucking looks in the hallway. <laughs> never told him. Never, never told never him. Put never him told him. There must have been a point when he figured it out, or you think it was just... I think it's possible to this day we haven't told Blake what happened there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Blake, you're, you're in for an eye-opener. Yes, Blake, I apologize. First job? First job in high school? Um, you know what? <clears throat> I moved downtown with my girlfriend when I was still in grade 12. I hadn't graduated yet. Mm-hmm. So we were living on Young Street, and I would take the bus back to St. Vitale for my classes. Oh, my God. That's, that's a trend. So I did that neighbor. for four or five months before I graduated. And then I went out to BC, and I spent some time with my father out there, two months, and we were playing poker. That's what he did. He quit his job and became a 
professional poker That's player. Amazing. So the, the, he, I'm always in awe of people who can do that. You know, yeah. make money off of, of card games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was obsessed. You know, for years I would go out there for summer, and you know, my brother and sister would go watch a movie, and my dad and I'd be sitting at the table, and he'd be going over poker hands with me and asking me, "What do you do here? And you fold, raise, whatever, right? Right. And we just go through poker hands. And you then think when he I was, was doing the math in his head and the odds and the chances, all, all of that. He yeah, did yeah. all that. He just read book after book. He'd say, "People study to be doctors. People study to be everything. But you know, people think they're just going to go and play this." game and and be it's, good at it right nobody studies the for draw it. but it's yeah it's not there's a lot to it right? right so right. he says if you he would tell me all the time you know if you work hard and you study and you learn how to play this game properly you will win consistently you're not going to win all the time because luck is a factor but you'll win consistently and that's what he did he supported himself for a number of years oh my god he was uh, you know he wanted to go do the world series of poker in vegas and mm-hmm. he never ended up doing that he did win a lot of tournaments in bc locally right 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 and so you got the good so stuff i went, you got the I went out there yeah i went out there and i played uh, that summer i left i had two dollars in my pocket and when i came back i had bought my own plane ticket and i had like 1200 bucks get the hell out yeah. wow so it was a pretty that's good, good summer still play still play oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna I play, leave you know, that Money I have my it. house games where I invite people over and we play for five dollars. So nobody takes it serious when it's five dollars. So it's a little more difficult. I usually win those, even still, but not always. <laughs> now your friends know, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was your first like real day job then? Um, security guard. Oh yeah. man. Well, I mean, I worked. You know, a newspaper boy. You know, Dickie D ice cream. Right. I worked at a pizza joint. So you uh, always had the income pizza coming in. I always had something coming in. Yeah. 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 And then my first real job would have been security at Polo Park. I was a security guard for about nine months. Okay. What was the heaviest thing that went down? Had Polo Park? Oh, shit. I could tell you stories. It was Let's so go. crazy. Give me one. Give me Okay. A uh, we had a, a lot of masturbation stories. Oh, no. A lot of masturbation oh, no. stories. That's no. what it is. So we had a guy in the middle of the food court on oh. a Saturday afternoon who just decided this is the space for him. And he was jerking off in the middle of the food court, and the security has to deal with it. And so I was there for like eight, nine months, and in that time, there was the food court guy. What do you do? What do you say to the guy? (laughs) You just, you walk up to him, you tell him, pull up his pants, you grab him, and you drag him out of the food court. That's all there is to it. You put on the the gloves before you do it. So you definitely had to get physical with with, us. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we had a few of that. Mm-hmm. So, but there were multiple times that happened while I was there. There was a couple old guys uh, different by this in the Sears men's room, yeah, with each other. Okay, another guy in Zeller's over by the women's underwear section. I guess that one at least made some logical sense. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, there was a good dozen of those situations that we encountered. I did not anticipate that. I thought we were dealing with shoplifters yeah. and people fighting and. You know, sh- chasing you know, kids normal, out of the food court, that kind of shit. Normal stuff. Normal stuff. But expect. apparently public masturbation is normal stuff that you deal with as a security oh, guard in the okay. shopping mall. Um, I, and then it was as a security guard that I realized that I wanted to be a social worker. Because I was working in an office building and I, I became site supervisor. And I would get the newspaper and I'd read articles about you know children in care. If something happened and it was a, a baby death that had happened. And I'm reading this article and it affects me. I'm sitting here crying at my desk and yeah. I realize, shit, this is what I want to do. Not murder children, I mean, work in child welfare. Mm -hmm. So then I uh, researched it, signed up, and went to school. Really? Yeah, University of Manitoba. How long? How many years? I guess I was there for five years total. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I got my Bachelor of Arts with a psych major, uh, Native Studies minor, and then I got the Bachelor of Social Work. So I have two university degrees. Wow, man, that's that's great. Uh, how did you enjoy, or did you like the university? Experience? I loved university. It's such a different it was thing. It's like me. Animal House, right? Yeah, I wish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, actually, wait a minute. It did get there because I moved out. My uh, ex and I at the time we, we had split up, and I moved on to Pemina Highway with a couple friends. So there was quite a bit of Animal House shit that went on. Oh, We'd, cool. We lived on the tenth floor of a building on Pemina Highway, and we would play golf in our living room. <laughs> And we, we shattered the light fixture once because my buddy's back spring swing was too much. Yeah, and Didn't understand. Yeah. So there's a lot of that shit that went on, but I managed to get through and get my degree and did quite well. That's great. Did you work at one place? I did. I uh, did my field placement at the office of the children's advocate. And their role is they investigate complaints against social workers. So I did my field placement there, which was kind of weird because they ended up hiring me on afterwards. And I was literally going out and meeting with former classmates yeah. And they're supervisors, and I'd be giving the supervisor shit for dropping the ball. People wow. I had just been in class with them as their equals, and on it. now I'm here telling their boss, 
you fucked up, you dropped the ball, this is what you should have done. Wow, did you find that difficult to do? Uh, well, it... I've got an ego for that kind of shit. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Like that putting was great people in their place or calling people out in their bullshit? Not so much putting people in their place. I mean, I'm, you know, I love when people are doing well, but if you're screwing up and you need to be called out, shit, I have no problem doing that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. and it was, it was kind of cool for me being there with an ex-classmate telling their boss how to do their job. Yeah. There was another child death. There was a big review of the child welfare system in Manitoba, the Phoenix Sinclair Inquiry. Mm -hmm. And that was a joint uh, report that was put out by the Children's Advocate and the Manitoba Ombudsman Office. So I ended up on that team doing the report. Mm -hmm. So I traveled all over Manitoba. We, I was part of the northern team. Uh, and then we wrote the report, like something like 260 recommendations for changes in child welfare came out of that report and they were all implemented. So it was a big, huge, major process. But through that, I was working out of the ombudsman office. Even though I worked for the children's advocate, I was working out of the ombudsman office. The ombudsman at the time, very impressed with my work, wanted to hire me. So they kept, every once in a while, there'd be a position. And they'd see me because we're in the same building. I was on the main floor there on the seventh floor. Right. So right. I'd see them in the lobby and... Cheryl was uh, ended up being my boss. Nelson, there's a position. It's a term position. You should apply. And yeah. I never did. And then one day they had a permanent position. And I thought, okay, I'm kind of done over here. I'd like something different. So I moved on and I started working for the Manitoba Ombudsman okay. as an investigator oh. on their CSI team, which isn't nearly as interesting as a TV show. No, that's too bad. No. Community and social issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that keeps you pretty busy. You currently do? No, 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 no. I... Uh, from the Ombudsman Office, I went back to child welfare, and I was a policy analyst with the Southern First Nations Network of Care. So I worked at the Standing Committee Office with all the CEOs of the four CFS authorities. Okay. So I actually ended up working in two really high government offices 10 years before I probably should have, just because I made the right connections and impressed the right people. Nice. So I did that policy analyst for a few years, and then I quit that to be full-time comedian, and that's what I've been doing That's since. what you're doing now. That's all I do now. I'm just Because I was wondering, like, man, you're on the road so much. How do you juggle a job and the comedy? Yeah. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I guess he obviously is being able, he's able to do this full-time. Yeah, this, this is my job now. You know, I wasn't able to do it uh, on my own, and then I met Don Bernstick, uh, mm-hmm. Aboriginal comedian who tours all over comedian. the place. Yeah. And he brought me on the road and started giving me a lot of work, so that really helped. And what from that, that, I've been able to get... So my own bookings and I headlined yeah. my own shows. So now I kind of do both. I stopped working with him for about a year and a half and just focused on my own stuff. And now when he wants an opener, I'll go on the road with him every once in a while. It's, it's good money. When did you start experience. working with him? I started working with him probably 2014. Okay. And when did you first hit the first stage? What's, okay. what's your opening uh, debut? Let's see the first time. was June 2010. In Los Angeles on the stage at the Comedy Store. That's the first time I ever did comedy anywhere. Well, you're just walking by and you're like, I'm going to give this a try. I, I was going to L.A. Uh, and, and, you know, I was going two or three times a year and I was a big fan of comedy. I've always been a huge fan of comedy, but I've also always been painfully shy and thought there's no way this is ever anything I would do. I can't talk in front of, of people. Yeah. Back of the room. So uh, I'm out in L.A. and I'm meeting people out there. And one of the guys I met is another Don, a guy named Don Barris. Who, uh, is Don the, Barris, yes, I know him. You know, okay, he's an audience warm-up guy for Jimmy Kimmel. He works at the Comedy Store. What's the big movie? Windy City Heat. Windy City Heat, Windy yeah, City Heat. hilarious movie. You watch it? I love yeah, Windy yeah. City it's Heat. Great. Yeah, that's it's how I know. Great. So I saw Don one night there, and I became a big fan of what he does. And I had reached out to him on MySpace. That's how far back I go, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and he was very approachable, very cool. And he told me about Windy City Heat, and I checked it out and became a big fan. So I started coming out just to hang out at the comedy store. But I was hanging out with all these people. Like, like they weren't as famous as they are now. Like, Whitney Cummings was there. Yeah. Chris D'Elia was there. All these people. And let, me, let me stop you for a second. You're, you're hanging out there. How long were you in L.A.? Uh, I would go down three or four times a year and spend 10, 10 12 days kind of thing. Just and I'd go to the comedy store of, every night. But if really the comedy store would be the draw of why you were That's going to L.A.? That's why I was LA? going. I would okay, just go to be at the comedy fan. store. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. I've just always been a big fan of comedy, and it's great. I mean, I'd go down there, and I'd see Andrew Dice Clay pop into test material on a Monday night, right? Wow. Uh, on my last trip, uh, David Spade and Bill Burr came out to do material, right, on, a, on an open mic night. Yeah. So, and I've met Jeff Ross, and you know he offered to smoke a joint with me. And <laughs> I don't, so, but I was like, I felt like I 
I should. It's like, you, just you to have the story. You but. can't smoke and exhale and not inhale with, with yeah, the dude, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, I just liked <laughs> hanging out. And then uh, Don would get me backstage at Jimmy Kimmel all the time, so I get to meet a lot of stars. And I You're just, that tight with, with Don? Oh, Bass? Don is just my best Hollywood friend. He's an awesome dude. Yeah. yeah. He, you know, I go out there. I see him every time. I hang out at his place. I've helped him with his... Uh, big three podcast. Right. One of the one of the episodes there's an audio technician credit that goes to me because oh. I was running the stuff in the <laughs> behind a. the scenes for him. Yeah, so Don's a great guy and he helped me out. Uh, All right, know. so this is, we're going. This is your first time. You're, first you're, time. You're I, in the comedy store. It's an yeah. open mic night or what? Uh, yeah, it's an open mic night. And so uh, Don got me on stage. He said you should try this out. I wanted to try it out. I thought fuck it, no more excuses. Let's do it. Yeah. So I went down and he got me on the list. So I went up and I had my set. I was ready to go. And now you get three minutes. And I went up and I told my first joke. And I got a laugh with it, which made me addicted. And the rest, I fucking bombed. I messed up my joke terribly. Yeah. And it was a long three minutes. But that first laugh just got me hooked. <laughs> right. That was it. And then I came back to Winnipeg. And we have all those contests. Or we had them, right? There was one through the free press called uh, Winnipeg's Gone Wacky. Yeah, I remember that so one. So I signed yeah. up for this contest. And uh, I was voting online. And I didn't have any video of me performing because I've only ever... Did the one set at the comedy store. That was it. Yeah. So I signed up for this thing and uh, I started voting myself low every day. I didn't want to go on stage. I got nervous before it even <laughs> happened, right? So I'm voting myself one star. Every day I'd sign in and give myself one star to kind of tank my results, right? And at the end, when they announced the finalists, the free press contacted me and said, you came in at 11. The top 10 went to the finalists. They said, yeah. you came in at 11. So even with tanking myself... I came in at 11 with just a video of my big fat head telling lame jokes, right? <laughs> right. Was, it, was it a recording of your set from the comedy store? Or no, like, no, it was just, I just yeah. held a camera and okay. I told a okay. few jokes that I had written that I thought were funny, maybe, <laughs> and that was it. So uh, he said, if somebody no-shows, would you like to take the spot? And I thought, okay, you got to put your money where your mouth is, let's do this. Yeah. And I said, yes, I'll take it, and ended up not happening. I went down and watched the contest, and uh, Kara Litwin ended up winning that year. Ooh, friend so of the show, Carol Lewin, check out that episode. Very funny comedian. Uh, she deserved to win. She did great. There's a mm-hmm. couple other guys there that night that I had seen for the first time. I think Ben Walker was in the contest, Tim Gray, yeah. uh, Kevin Doby. So I don't remember them all, but it was uh, the first time I was seeing Winnipeg comedy. And I thought, these guys were fantastic. It was fun. I was sat in the back thinking, I could beat all these guys. You know how we do at the beginning, oh, especially, absolutely. right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was my first... Exposure to Winnipeg comedy. So I entered next year. They did Winnipeg's Gone Wacky again. And I would do things like people would tell me, you should be a comedian. You should try it. I'd call rumors and say, I hear you have this funniest person with a day job contest. Is there still room? And they would say, yeah, there is. And I'd say, okay, I'll call you back. And then I'd tell all my friends, I called and I tried, but there was no room, so I couldn't get in. So I, <laughs> I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to do it. Right. I would research it. I'd see there's a show at Pop Sodas, and I put it on my calendar. I'm going to go check out Pop Sodas, and then I never went to Pop Sodas. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go to the cavern. I'm going to check it out. And then I went to the cavern and watched it. Didn't go up. And this kind of thing. Just painfully shy and nervous and didn't want to do it. So then the next year, I do the Winnipeg's Gone Wacky. I sign up, and I end up making the finals this year. So you basically spent a whole year with in between shows. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. A little more than a year, I think. It was almost two years before I got back on stage again. Wow. Just making all the excuses under the sun not to do it. Right. So I entered Winnipeg's Gone Wacky the second time. I made the finals, uh, and they were in Transcona. I went out and did it. I did quite well. Not as well as I thought. That night, I, I should have won, and... Looking back on it, you realize, holy shit, I was not mm-hmm. as good as I think I was at the time, right? right? But it was fun. I made the finals and uh, had a blast doing it. I did my time. At the end, we had the they had an American Idol kind of panel set up, right? Yeah. One of the judges was Big Daddy Taz, and he's telling me, you know, it was good stuff, very funny. I'd like to see how you could do without all the vulgarity. And I, you know, at the time, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Big Daddy Taz, hilarious comedian, absolutely knew what he was talking about, and he was right. Yeah. And I tell people that myself now, which is kind of funny, come, come full circle. Right. right. But uh, that night, I was not having it. No, I know everything. I was fine. You just don't get it. It's my art, right? That kind of <laughs> shit. I thought Taz hated me for a number of years because of that. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, so you actually told him back, like, oh, I appreciate your, what you're yeah. saying, but well, listen, I didn't, this is actually, where I'm at. It was the next year that I did that. So that year, I didn't say anything. I just kind of took it and... Uh, he said, how long have you been doing comedy for? And I looked at my watch and said, about 10 minutes now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, technically it had been two years, I guess, mm. but not really since I never went up anywhere, right? And you must have turned the tap on pretty pretty quick to, like, 
not only perform regularly, but, you know, produce shows. Oh, yeah, I really did. You really really did. You were doing uh, early on performance anxiety, shut up and laugh series uh, at uh, a few bars around town. One would set up shop and then close, move to another Mm -hmm. bar. Uh, when did, what year did that start? Uh, that started in 2013. And then, uh, I guess what happened was I decided to run a show cause some guy tried to book me for a show and it fell apart. Didn't happen. Then he tried booking another show and it was starting to fall apart. And I said, okay, well, you know what? I can go out and print posters. I can go out. and do-. So I started doing all the stuff for him. Yeah. So I was doing shows at Pulse nightclub. So I was there and it was a promoter named Lil D who's passed away now. Uh, but he was running the shows kind of, I was running everything behind the scenes for him. Yeah. And then it just kind of happened where I was like, well, why am I doing all this work for this guy? He's not doing anything. And the guy that owned the club was like, why don't you just put this on? We can book this together and do it. So then I just took over and started running shows. Right. And they were quite successful at first. I was packing the room almost every single show. I think I did 13 shows at Pulse, and I think two of them were an absolute bust where nobody showed up. One was horrible weather. The other one, I don't know what happened. Yeah. But everything else was pretty good. We had packed room, solid shows. Right. And I was booking comics at the time. I would see posters for Winnipeg shows, and to me, it was always the same names on the posters, always the same guys. Very funny people who deserve to be there, but there are other people I had seen through these contests that I thought, you know, how come I never see them on shows? So I would start booking them. So when I first started, I got a little bit of heat from some of the comedy community because I was putting on people that they viewed as inferior and not... Because they weren't doing their shows or they weren't at the shows those comics were performing at. Yeah. 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 So I got a little bit of heat, and it became this weird thing for a number of years where people were saying it's people our troll side, you on their my side. <laughs> oh, it was, it was dumb. I, I tried never to engage in it. I didn't care. I tried my best to support yeah. all comedy in the city. As, you know? being, as being someone who was kind of there at the time, I always consider it two camps, or it was. Yeah, you had like it really the, was. Uh, the, the John B. Duff kind of uh, comedy at the Cavern camp. Yeah. And then you had uh, you and your yeah. boys. And, of course, you had comedians who were, would do both sure, yeah. shows. But there were comics that strictly did those nights. There were, yeah. Yeah, and comics <laughs> I would strictly do my night. And it was so weird. I'd have people telling me. They'd be complaining about the other rooms. They won't put me up. They won't do this. And they're telling me how much those guys were terrible. And I would think they're running their shows properly, to be honest with you. Because if you want to build an audience, you need good quality comedians. Mm-hmm. And I would put anybody on stage. To me, it was more about having fun, having a karaoke kind of vibe. I knew what my room was. I knew what the show was and what it meant to people that were doing it. Yeah. And what it was viewed as from people on the outside, right? I know. It was a shit show sometimes, but we were having fun. And that's all it was about It was for promoted me, right? that way. Exactly. I, I, I remember. Right? You, you know, know? I, I embraced that. I didn't I didn't care. We're just here for a good time, right? Exactly. You know, it's people that are never getting stage time anywhere else because, quite frankly, they don't deserve it. And I knew that. <laughs> But come to my room and I'll put you up. As long as you're not saying anything outwardly like hateful on my stage, I've only had to cut people and ban people a couple times. But I'm shocked that there was someone cut. Like, yeah, because it know, seemed like there was no limits at your show. There okay. almost, almost no limits. But some like real people could say racial jokes or they could say you know whatever as long as they're trying to be funny and there's no actual malice behind it. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't think it's proper. But do what you want to do, learn. This is a place to learn, right? Yeah. But if somebody was up there spouting off real, actual, hateful shit, homophobic crap, transphobic, whatever, then I, I that's where I drew my line. Okay. Well, I, I know Tim Gray got some heat, like, last year or the year before, because uh, We Johnny's implemented a policy for, you know, a safe space, and everybody went nuts, and I write it and thought, well, fuck, that's how we run all of our rooms. He's just putting it out there. Yeah, I mean, just put it on paper for yeah, everyone to see. Yeah, and, and I mean, how are you disagreeing with what he was saying, right? But I think... I think it would be argued, oh, it's censorship. And that's what it is, right? Yeah. But I don't think that's what they're going for. I don't go to those rooms, but I hear great things about him, and, you know, I like Tim. As a rule, you don't go, or you just I just busy, It's or? not as a rule. I mean, I would. I just don't have time. Yeah. I don't have time. I'm on the road all the time, and then when I'm back home, I spend all my time with my kids. That's it. And right. anything I do that's sociable is usually come to my house and play poker. I don't go out. I don't do a lot of things Yeah, yeah, like that. Sure. So I just don't have time to do it. I would love to support some of these rooms. I've wanted to go to Alyssa Kicks and Runs a Room, the woke comedy show. I've mm-hmm. wanted to go to that since the beginning. And just things always come up or when I'm in town, it's like I've been gone for a week. So I'm watching a movie with my kids tonight. We're watching oh, The sure. Three Amigos. I'm not going to go out to do comedy somewhere when I can do The Three right. Amigos. And I got to hate open mics, to be honest with you. Really, really? Yeah, it's yeah. frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's even frustrating. even at the end of your the performance anxiety, like it it uh, it was going to jump around from bar to bar, but then it was kind of like 
I think you even had a post. You're like, ah, I'm kind of done with all this. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> I really was. You know, when we were at um, the Forks, it was great. We had no I, issues. We were there for over a year. And then the Fins, Forks. Finn's no, Pub. Fins yeah, Finn's Pub. And then they closed their door because they weren't paying their bills, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we went to Shannon's? Finn McCool's on Regent. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, which I was, was a restaurant kind of thing. So we had to, you know, tone down the stuff on stage. Yeah. Because there's dining patrons and stuff. It's and always hard doing comedy when people uh, are focused on the stage. It's rough. Yeah. yeah, it's rough. But those were fun shows. And the management there, we ended up closing down because I had two idiots go up on stage and start yelling and swearing at somebody having a birthday party. And it was Ugh. a whole big thing. So they ended up closing down because of that. The manager loved me and wanted me to come back and start the show again. I just never bothered because it just wasn't a good fit yeah. for the comedians that come to my show to right, be doing right. that. Well, maybe somebody has a their daughter's 12th birthday in the corner, right? I thought, no, it's not going to fit, so let's exactly. just move on. And then I went to Doubles Fun Club. Doubles, that's right. That was great. St. Vitell. That was good. I, I really love the room. It. That's yeah. a good room. They have a lot of wrestling shows at Doubles. Do they? That's what they do, right? <laughs> it's a huge stage, though, and a huge area. Yeah. So I would have an open mic there, and I'd have... 20, 30 people sometimes coming out, and I would feel like, this is terrible. We have no turnout. We have no audience, and that's a decent turnout for an open mic, but when yeah. you're in such a big space, it's hard to tell. Everybody's moved out, you know, exactly. yeah, moved I around. Know what you're saying there. So we were there for, again, almost a year, I think, and then uh, I, the management just wasn't making money. Comics weren't drinking, and they yeah. weren't buying food, and... They weren't bringing friends toward the end, so we ended up parting ways. And then going to Shannon's. And then I went to Shannon's Pub. Right. And Which I was also Shannon's another good pub. environment for, for stand-up. Shannon's was probably my favorite room mm-hmm. out of all the ones that I had. It was a great space. We had a lot of fun there. Put on some great shows. <clears throat> the problem with Shannon's was towards the end, they contacted me and said they love what I'm doing with the room. They love the Sunday night comedy. They never supported the Sunday night comedy properly. Yeah. You would phone there. for. I was there for over a year, and if you phoned... The answering machine message would say, we're open Monday to Saturday, and then Sundays were closed. I was there for a year and a half on Sunday nights, but your voicemail never reflected that. Right. Your website never reflected that. You never did anything to promote the shows. Yeah. So that was tough. And uh, also, like I said, when I put on my shows, I let anybody on stage, so it's so hard to build an audience because you're going to come see the same comedians doing the same bad jokes all the time. So there right. were ways that I ran it. I wanted it to be completely free. Come up and say what you want. Enjoy your five minutes for the week. Mm-hmm. But in doing that, you end up risking losing an audience that yeah, wants to come and watch us. business. Um, right. So, and then I'd have people complaining that Mike Green won't give them stage time. Like Mike runs one of the best rooms in the city. He mm-hmm. puts on fantastic shows. He knows what he's doing. He's actually doing it right. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe listen to him and don't shit on him for not putting you on stage. Right. 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 I mean, I don't. I don't know Mike very well either. I don't mm-hmm. hang out with him, but I've always admired his room, and I know he does. You know, a good job putting on solid shows there. So, oh yeah, and, 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 and bringing comics in, he's, and bringing comics in, yeah. yeah. And if you want to have a good show and a good audience, you have to give them a good quality product. I never did that. So for me, right. it was I needed to find an audience that could appreciate watching a train wreck, right? Yeah, yeah. Some really. nights that's what it was, yeah. right? And if I could sprinkle enough funny comics in between, I thought we can carry this forward. And we had some great shows where we had two or three solid comics and just a bunch of shit. And I love these people, but just a bunch <laughs> of shit sometimes. But that was yeah. all part of it, right? And if you had For the sure. right crowd that could get into that and, you know, mm-hmm. you'd see a comic that you've seen bomb week after week and they say something funny and it's exciting. It wow, is. holy yeah, shit, that's exactly. awesome, right? And then uh, last summer, Norville. Norville. I did the Norville. That was just a summer thing. Uh, Lyle Wood, a buddy of mine, did some shows at the Norvilla and then he wanted to stop because he was moving or he was traveling up north. So I said, well, I'll run a couple. And I did that the summer before last. Yeah. And it was fun. It was just a summer thing strictly. That's it. So then again, this last summer, I did the exact same thing where we just did three or four shows. Yeah. And it's hard in the summer because people are, you oh, know, exactly, so yeah. busy yeah. at the cabin and whatnot. Yeah. Because, yeah. So yeah. Um, any future plans or just, uh, it'll not, be like, just... not for open mics, man. You know, it's so much work. It would drive me nuts. I'd make the event page and I'd put the posters and I'd get everything together and people would message me saying, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We can't wait to, because most of these guys can't get stage time anywhere else. Yeah. So I'm thinking, here you go. You're going to be on stage, right? And then I'd have eight people cancel on me the day of the show. Without fail, people yeah. would cancel. I get people cancel, but fucking eight people on the day of the show 
telling me, I can't make it. I'm sick. I got to go to work. I got this, that, yeah. and the other thing. Like, it's just nice because even though it's an go. open mic, you would still have people, uh, especially on the page. I remember, mm-hmm. put your name up, sign up, so we yeah. know you're going to be there. Yeah, yeah, So exactly. people will know that you're going to be yep. there, other people. So that, that was frustrating. It's always frustrating. I have people that cancel constantly, and I have people that come out, and they bring nobody, and they order a glass of water, and... Yeah. Then they go up and shit into the microphone for five minutes on top of everything else. <laughs> like, if you're going to do that, at least be fucking hilarious, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, if you're Paul Verblowskis, you can come in and drink as much fucking water as you want. <laughs> exactly. You know? Because you're going to kill the goddamn room, right? Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> but otherwise, order the steak. And otherwise, eggs. order something. Eat yeah. something. You know? Earn your keep. So, it just got a little frustrating uh, in terms of running shows. Uh, and also, of course, you just won comedy of the I did. comedian I won, of the yeah. north, comedian, comedian of the north, north. Thunder right. Bay competition. How'd that go? Yeah, it Obviously was great. great. <laughs> it was great for me. I loved it. Yeah, I posted this big long thing on Facebook that I, I have learned because I've always wanted to win a contest, and I thought that'll show people right that I deserve to be the best. And and then I went out and won the contest. And hey, shit, there's still people that are unsatisfied, and that's yeah. going to happen. And that makes sense to me because I remember being unsatisfied when other people would win, and I remember thinking I should have won that. In times when I look back and think, fuck, I was terrible. There's no way I should have won that. I yeah. thought I should have, though. So right, right, right. You're never going to get that kind of validation from the contest. But I mean, I got money, I got a crown, I got a title. So fuck it, I'm happy. Yeah. It took 10 years to win that contest. Do it pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was building up to that. That's the highlight. Now I can quit. That's right. Yeah. Best gig ever. Where was it? My best gig would have been the River Creek Casino opening for Don Burnstick. River Creek River Casino. River Creek Casino in exactly? Edmonton. Okay. And it's like 2,000 people and his show was sold out. And probably the first time I did it because I had no idea what to expect. And I stood on stage in front of 2,000 people. And when they laugh all at once, you can almost feel it, right? You can feel it hit you like a wave. Right, right. That was incredible. I love that. But I've had so many great shows. I've had so many great shows in rooms where there's five people, right? It's hard to pick one. But that one stands out just because of the the prestige that goes with it. Okay, what about Worst Gig? Worst Gig? (laughs) Holy shit. Uh, There's been so many of those. (laughs) So many of those. You know, I had fun with them all, but I've had gigs where you show up and they say, uh, oh, we forgot a microphone, but you can just talk loud, right? Like, shit like that. You know, my worst gig, probably another one. It was a big show for me. I needed to do well. I was booked to headline a show in Saskatchewan, and I was on my way out to do it. And that's when I got the phone call from my stepmother, who I didn't talk to at the time. We had a lot of animosity and... And she called me, and as soon as she called me, I knew something was up. Yeah. So on the way to this big gig that I needed to do well in, I was told, your dad has had a heart attack. He's in the hospital. It's not looking good. You need to get out to Edmonton. Right. Okay? So then I get to the gig, and there's all kinds of things that go wrong. They have this, the stage. <laughs> Number one, they have a podium, so I have to stand behind a podium which I hate because there's a disconnect with the crowd. On top of that, there's a huge gap from the stage to where the tables are set up for this Christmas event that they're having. Mm -hmm. Massive. So I'm really far removed from the audience. I'm supposed to go up after all the chiefs go up and do their talk and get their introduction. So I'm thinking, great, I'm very good at roasting and doing that kind of thing, right? So I thought, oh, that'll give me some material. I'll just mess with the chiefs for about 10, 15 minutes, and then I'll move into my stuff. It'll be a nice flow. So they changed the lineup. They announced it at the last minute. Right after I get another text from my stepmother saying, your father had another heart attack today. They don't think he's going to make it to the morning. You need to get here as soon as possible. Oh, my God. And I get that message. My heart just sinks. And then the MC says, well, we're going to change the lineup. The Chiefs aren't here yet, so we're just going to bring up your entertainment and help us welcome Nelson Mayer. So, oh, my God. So that's what, that was my big... Now, I muddled through the set. I was on autopilot, and it was okay, yeah. but it wasn't what I needed it to be. I needed to... This was an opportunity for me to kill in front of a bunch of people in Saskatchewan that would have translated into more shows for me. Yeah. But because I'm in such a bad space, I just couldn't really give it the energy and attention I needed to right. give. And with everything else that was already going on, it was a rough gig for me to get through. And I did my time. I did 50 minutes. They wanted 45 I did 50 minutes. You're kidding. Amazing. So I did the time and I got off stage and people were like, hey, that was good. <laughs> you know, like people liked it, but they didn't love it. I needed people to love it. Oh, yeah. So for me, that was a rough good is, is great. Yeah. You know? And I bombed terribly on Prince Edward Island one time on that Scott tour. I was getting <laughs> cocky because every night I was doing great. I was doing great every night. And then we get to Prince Edward Island and it's my turn to host because we're rotating. Yeah. And the crowd just 
hated me for whatever reason. I couldn't get anything going. And it wasn't just my material. It was me personally. I was so thrown off that I'm stumbling over my words and I'm forgetting punchline. And I try to do crowd work. And I asked this guy where he's from. And he's from New York. And I had just gone back from New York. So I should be able to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I draw blank. I'm like, oh, okay, well, moving on. (laughs) It was just horrible. And my friends, of course, they're losing their mind. They love it. That's the... Their favorite show of the tour was watching Nelson bomb and die on stage. Because oh, I mean, there's some fun in that, especially when you see your friend kill it every night, and then he shits a bed. It's it's a nice little. Hey, For man, sure. this happens to everybody. Hey, uh, one more thing before the money shot. Uh, because we were talking the comedy store, Stephen Brody Stevens. Did you see him? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Did you yep. ever get to talk to him? I got stage? to talk to him all the time. He, he was to he talk. was a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was he? Yeah. He was a great guy. It was very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Very. I just um, honestly never really even uh, knew his name until he. You know, hung himself, oh, okay. committed suicide, and then uh, then I did a deep dive into his whole career and his whole life, and so I'm such yeah. a huge fan. Yeah. And uh, so I was just like, wow, you actually got to see him live. Yeah, he That's was a great cool. guy. I, I got to hang out with him. He was he was incredible. I, I watched him make a waitress at the comedy store cry one night. That was weird. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. I asked him about it, and he said, oh no, it was just a little work we were doing, and I don't think it was. I think yeah. something yeah. happened there. Oh no. Yeah. But he was he was a great guy. You know, I would watch him go up in the comedy store, and he'd get up on stage, and he'd start. It was weird he would start out in this weird space and everybody's like what are we watching right yeah. and then you know he would say hey i know how to do this i've been doing comedy for years i can make you guys laugh at the drop of a fucking hat you know i'm just sharing what i'm going through today right and then he would start doing jokes and people would lose their shit and right right just bring right. everybody back and okay so we're gonna do the money shot here all right and what it is nelson mayor hey. is 100 questions i got a i got a timer and we're gonna go five minutes and if you can answer 100 questions truthfully in uh, in in five minutes, you're gonna win the money shot. Yes. Are you ready for a money shot? I'm, I want a money shot. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna do it right up. And um, but ninety percent of your answers must be correct. Okay. So you can't just say any word to answer the okay. questions. And these are easy questions. I gotta it's try. Like basically, yes or no. Fill in the blank. Uh, okay. What's your favorite? This, that, that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. See you in now five I feel minutes like I'm being set up, up to fail because, like, can you even read a hundred questions in five minutes? That's a well, no one's won yet. <laughs> <laughs> I figure it's three seconds for every question and answer. Okay. So okay. I, I try to go as fast as I can. And uh, as the episodes have gone on, I've gotten okay. much better. Am I able to skip if I need to skip? Yeah, skip okay. if you want. And I'll, I'll make a note. That, but okay. I can't guarantee that I'll find it in, okay. in a timely fashion. And for Nelson Mayer, tonight's Money Shot is... <laughs> $15.85. Now, let's get ready to jerk off in the food court. Hail Satan! Name something you hate. Uh, jealousy. Name something you love. My kids. Name something you like. Um, Coca-Cola. Where do you buy fruit? From Sobeys. Where do you buy furniture? From Leon's. Where do you buy shoes? From Value Village, generally speaking. <laughs> Favorite season on the planet? Winter. Okay. Favorite place on earth? Um, Los Angeles. Favorite TV show currently watching? Oh, I don't watch TV. That's legit. Okay. Uh, really? Okay. I don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> name a celebrity uh, with three names. Three names. Sarah Jessica Parker. Nice. Uh, uh, what is in your pocket? Nothing. Name an Alanis Morissette song. Uh, ironic. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Maple walnut. Favorite cereal to eat as a kid? Fruit Loops. Name a farm animal you have touched? Cow. <laughs> Do you watch cable TV? No. Do you watch Netflix? Yeah. Do you watch Crave TV? Not anymore. Do you watch Disney Plus? Yes. Uh, name a Beastie Boy. Uh, oh, I don't know the best Beastie Boy's name is Screech's brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's not his mic? brother. Is there a mic something? There's a mic, yes. Yeah, so good to go. Uh, what's, your av- what's the average of minutes you're in the shower? Probably 11. First thing you do when you wake? You just tell my alarm to shut up and let me sleep more. Last thing you do before sleep? Um, wonder why I'm not sleeping. Are you a flossa? Yes. Uh, a nickname you've had as a kid? Turkey. Uh, how uh, many apartment buildings have you lived in? Ooh, probably about six or seven. Okay, name an American airline. Delta. What's your favorite dish to cook? Lasagna. What's your favorite fish to catch? Salmon. Do you believe in life in other galaxies? Yes. Uh, name an Irish bar. Shannon's. Uh, what rhymes with Magoo? My poo. 
<laughs> Name a famous porno. Uh, deep throat. Butter or margarine? Butter. What color is your favorite? Red. Uh, Bingle was his name. Oh, there you go. Uh, last stand-up you've seen live? Uh, Bill Burr. Name a daredevil. 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 Um, Evil Knievel. Name an Avenger. Uh, Iron Man. Best Christmas gift. A Cabbage Patch Kid when I was nine. Okay, sure. Table <laughs> or chair? Table. Have you been inside a limo? Yes. Best animal at the zoo? Zebra. Favorite number? Three. Favorite metal band? Iron Maiden. Favorite beer? A Budweiser, I guess. Say a word you haven't said yet in 2020. That's a, that's a good question. Disestablishmentarianism. Beauty. Uh, who is Turd Ferguson? Turd Ferguson? I'm not aware of this person. Name a DJ. A DJ. DJ. Oh, shit. Any DJ, DJ. Jazzy Jeff. Beauty. Uh, name a SpongeBob SquarePants character. Patrick Starfish. Have you uh, ever been to the Eiffel Tower? Yes. Have you been in? Uh, mo- have you been on a motorcycle? Yes. Do you remember the KLF? No. Okay. Name a Robin. Name a Robin. Name a something Bird you buy Robin's Donuts. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Bismarck. <laughs> At Robin's Donuts. Uh, when is St. Patrick's Day? Uh, March fourteenth. <laughs> Name a Winnipeg band. Winnipeg band. Weaker than. Uh, have you had a hot flash? No. <laughs> Name a chipmunk. Alvin. Name an SCTV character. Uh, Ed Grimley. What did the first little piggy do? Went to the market. I apologize for these questions. I like that Cur- one. Current mood? Happy. Uh, have, uh, what are you talking about? Blank. What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Name a hockey position. Defenseman. Did you see Rise of Skywalker? The Rise. Yes. Okay. Uh, did you like it? It was fine. Uh, are you lying? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, God. Name a street. St. Anne's Road. Name an avenue. Oh, uh, shit. Be, sure. That's a boulevard. Name an, an-, an-, an- avenue. <laughs> Name an avenue. I don't know. <laughs> no, come on. I'm drawing a blank. Kiwaitin? Is Kiwaitin an avenue? Kiwaitin? Okay. Kiwaitin? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Name a Winnipeg uh, Bay. Name a bay. <laughs> Rampart Bay. Uh, can you skateboard? No. Uh, do you get mad? Uh, sometimes. Uh, have you seen E.T.? Yes. Dexter Yes. Uh, have you seen Casablanca? No. Have you seen DC Cab? Yes. That's a classic. Uh, do you have a diary? No. Did you have a diary? Nope. Uh, where would you uh, Where would you see the Goodyear blimp? In the sky. Very good answer. <laughs> uh, favorite John Travolta film? Grease. Uh, name another John Travolta film. Um, uh, Urban Cowboy. Would you rather ride a horse or a roller coaster? Ah, oh, shit! Oh, fuck! Ah, damn it! <laughs> the answer is a horse. I don't like roller coasters. Oh, shit, sorry. How I wasn't even looking at the time. I was so involved. Like, how far? You don't like go? roller coasters? No, I I like them one time. That's it. I get scared on roller coasters, but I go on them. I've been on the wild thing. My son just in. We went to Disney World just yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And he dragged me on this thing at Universal Studios that it just goes straight up. Like forever, yeah, and then just drops you and rips you around, and it plays. You can choose music to play while you're doing it. So I picked "Kickstart My Heart" Motley Crue, and oh, that's pretty cool. It was fun. It was great for a one-time thing. That's yeah. it. That's I, I can't I can even handle. do the one. I, I took my kids to Canada's Wonderland, and they're oh, like, yeah. "No, I cannot yeah. do it." And uh, but I did do the big drop where you're like right at the top, and oh, it's yeah. just like it's like they just turn flick it off, yeah. and then just like just gravity takes over. Yeah. But fuck, because the thing is so heavy, you go super fast down, yeah. and just at the last minute, oh god, they, uh, they once, have that once. They have that. It's called the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, and I convinced my kids to go on it. Even my daughter, do- my eight year old daughter, came on it. She's a little apprehensive, and I said that it. Dr- and I remember it used to drop you like two or three times. It would drop you, and then it would pick you up at some point, bring you back up halfway, maybe, you know, and then drop you again. Two or three times, that was it. That's what I remember. So it, for whatever reason, it dropped us all the way down, brought us all the way back up. When my kid's, like, getting scared, it goes to the full Monty, right? All the way down, all the way back up. So the third drop, it drops, and I'm telling her, okay, it's okay, Emily, it's over now. And fucking just shoots right back up again. Five times. Oh, no. It brought us all the way to the top and dropped us. I felt like such an asshole. Oh. It's only two or three times. It's going to be fine, Emily. Yeah. Go yeah. to your happy place. Yeah. Cover it's, your eyes. It's all good. It's all done now, okay? <laughs> you can try. Now I have no trust left. She'll never trust me again. Turd Ferguson 
is Norm Macdonald on Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, ah. it's a little Burt Reynolds uh, yeah, yeah. alter ego, awesome. by the way. Yeah. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Uh, hell, man, this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, been a lot of fun. Do you have any other uh, gigs coming up? Uh, that solid uh, that are yeah, in the Yeah, you know the, what? I should know this. I'm terrible at dates and stuff like that. I'm doing a show for a friend of mine, Chris Basso, is putting together a fundraiser for the Bear Man of Emo. There's a documentary about this guy who has an animal sanctuary in Ontario. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be doing a fundraiser at Cricket's Comedy Club here in Winnipeg. Uh, February 19th, I think, is okay. the date. But if listeners want to... Research that Google, stalk me on Facebook. Sure, I'll post it there. You got it. Yeah, and your Facebook is uh, just Nelson Mayer. Do you just people? Yeah. That's your personal account. That's your. That's just entertainment. Everything. Everything's uh, there. Yeah. And if, if you like Facebook posts, this is the guy to join because you you're deep involved in social media. Yeah, like, I put a lot of weird shit on you there. Put, you put some really heavy stuff in there. It's entertaining. You're, Sometimes you're, yeah. you got all the family trips, and uh, yeah. it's just it's really cool. Like I just love it. But you're not so much Twitter. No, I don't use Twitter. You know, I, I was handicapping me. It was making me cut down my posts. I tend right. to be a little, as you can tell by this podcast, a little verbose. I talk a lot. <laughs> what about Instagram? So Instagram, I have all these things, but I don't really use them very much. Yeah. I'm mostly strictly Facebook. Right, And right. anything I post on the others is probably something that's on Facebook. It's going to go on Facebook. Yeah. So join Nelson Mayer on Facebook, everyone. He, yeah. he will accept you. Yeah, it's all Are Facebook. Are there people that you haven't... No, I've accepted. Like, I remember well, I, you I masturbating ex- at Polo Park. You're not <laughs> yeah, invited. I, well, I'll, I'll accept the masturbators. I don't accept <laughs> the real estate and car salesmen anymore because I got far too many people that are trying to sell me houses and cars. I can't afford this shit. You make me feel bad. You make me feel unsuccessful. I don't want you on my page anymore. And the and the bikini women that are you know, um, I, I had imaginary friends as a kid. I don't need them wearing bikinis on Facebook as an adult. So right. I don't really accept too many of them anymore. <laughs> Right on, Nelson. Uh, Thanks a lot. Once again, again. it's been great. All right. See you later, man. Thanks very much.